This is the Authority Partners Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Mikanovic, Solution Architect in Authority Partners. Today with me, I have my good friend, good colleague, Q enthusiast, Jay Guru, Imer Mulhovic. And we have a really nice team to discuss today, microservices testing made easy. Imer, welcome. Thank you for doing AP Podcast, first of all. And I'm honored, actually, to be your host today. Can you tell me a bit more about this topic and especially like this buzzword, made easy? Like testing is never easy. Hey, Adnan. Uh, thank you for bringing me on here. We really uh, are too kind with this introduction. So, uh, yeah, the title the title really isn't true. You really can't make testing easy. You can definitely make it easier. And uh, the issue is, so for a short intro, uh, currently, for most things that people start building, microservices kind of become like the default architectural choice. Because uh, thanks to AWS and Azure, you can run these Azure functions or AWS Lambda functions really, really quickly and cheaply. But they also bring with them a host of issues when it comes to actually testing them. Uh, for example, because, I mean, these are two uh, third-party platforms. And if you want to do some tests, then uh, you really have to think about uh, your pipelines, first of all, uh, the availability of those pipelines uh, is uh, and uh, another issue that you generally run into is the state management for your tests so as you like create more and more microservices you uh, tend to create a bit more debt for example if you want to test them you can either choose the integration approach where you're directly testing the service or for example you can try mocking but then you run into this other issue where if you mock a service then you also have to maintain this mocked service in addition to the service itself. So while microservices are really a great choice for a lot of applications, as they scale up and grow, the debt for testing tends to grow with them. So they really do bring uh, together with them a lot of uh, new challenges. And yeah, that's what we're here to talk about today. How can we resolve these challenges and hopefully make the testing easier? I skipped the er in the title of the topic, definitely. That, that's fine. That's fine. But like more traditional QA, like and what people would usually choose, okay, we are just going to focus on, let's say, UI testing, but they, they will not even take care of what the what is the architecture of the application they are testing. And that's why I love that you actually mentioned all of this. And as you said, yes, integration is one of the options how we can test it. But I mean, QA is developing and there are new types of testing. And I guess today we are also going to talk about contract testing. And I would like you to explain to audience basically what is even contract testing. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. That's actually right the next point that I was going to get to. So how uh, when we think of testing, uh, what are we actually thinking about? We're thinking about uh, developing a service and making sure that service works properly. So how do we ensure that the code that we create whatever we implement, how do we ensure that it's working correctly before actually deploying it into a user environment? Uh, generally, the answer for this is integration testing. However, as I've already mentioned, there are some issues you might run into it if you have a lot of services. Another really cool way of testing that's uh, recently become a lot more popular, uh, thanks to the popularity of microservices, is contract testing. So what it is, uh, it's actually a consumer-driven contract testing. So let me explain this, uh, not really buzzword, but yeah, this four-word sentence. So consumer-driven basically means that 
the development of, let's say, an API is driven by the API's consumers. Let's say you have some API and it's consumed by mobile applications, it's consumed by web applications. So basically, it means that you take into consideration how the API is actually used. That means that it is consumer driven. The contract testing part refers to the contract between the consumer and you, the team that's developing this API, which is also called the provider. In this type of testing, we don't really do any integration. Instead, it's done in a bit of a different way. So uh, every consumer, doesn't matter how many of them uh, you have, they write their so-called contract tests where the only part uh, of the API that they actually validate is uh, the format of the request and the format of the response. That's it. And all of this gets collected. All of the requests, responses, their formats, the validations, they get collected into a file called a contract. Then this uh, consumer takes this contract and sends it to you, the provider. Then you, the provider, can run your own provider tests to make sure that uh, the functionality of the API that you are providing matches the contract that the consumer is expecting. Is it fair to say you are testing the one microservice? You have agreement how what what type of request he's going to he should handle? What type of the request? What type of the response? Like the format of the response he should put back. So there is a signed contract between communication that you you will just verify. And that's it. So it's that's actually it. the name. The name actually even self-explains it, which is really, really nice. They do. But basically, what about how you do you test there? Also, the negative scenario, like you are not going to accept some some request, or you will not. You, are not, uh, you cannot yes. even send some. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, the negative requests, the negative responses, they are part of the contract. Your consumer needs to know if, for example, are you uh, always going to respond with an OK? If even if an error occurs or which is it's not really following uh, the best practices. But uh, for example, GraphQL APIs, they always respond with a 200. Or uh, are you going to put the 404? Is it going to be a 500 if you don't find something? Or uh, 22 maybe? Uh, there's an entire uh, range of responses that you can do and you have to have a contract with your consumers on uh, what to expect. So basically, even if you have 100 microservices, you will totally do it independently. You will just make sure each one of them is actually respecting the contract they have. Yes, and they will also make sure that they are respecting the contract together with you. Because uh, the problem isn't necessarily on your side. It might be a misunderstanding of the contract from the consumer side as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. This yeah. is really perfect. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, you also know, like, in our day-to-day -day work, a surprising number of issues can rise up if, for example, you have a string instead of an integer. Definitely. It's a very silly issue, but it pops up all the time because the contract wasn't uh, wasn't followed by one of the parties in the interaction. So, uh, like, you are working for quite some time now testing microservices and you are using contract testing. Uh, I know there are benefits, but let's first talk about drawbacks because I think it's uh, more interesting to see what are the challenges, drawbacks, and then actually to talk about benefits, if you agree. Yeah, that's a good way to do it, I think. 
So what are the drawbacks? Well, uh, there's only one player in town. That's the drawback for me. So basically, there's this framework called Pact, and uh, they are the de facto framework for doing contract testing. There are some other implementations, but uh, those implementations haven't really gone uh, very far. So you only have to rely on this one framework and doesn't matter which language you are coding in, it has to be this one framework. Uh, second issue in my case is, you know, you still have to write the tests. If you already have, for example, an API testing suite and now you want to do contract testing, uh, it, it, it might not be a good idea because it's, it's basically rewriting your entire work for the past few years. Uh, it's difficult to get buy-in. And I'm not just talking here, for example, on the QAs that are supposed to write these tests. Uh, it's also difficult to get the buy-in from uh, the developers as well. For example, if uh, I mean, if you have like under one project, a bunch of different teams, some working on creating consumers, others working on providers, uh, you have to get all of them to agree to do contract testing. You know, this isn't really something that you can do, you know, just one team writing the contract tests. No, it has to be a project-wide initiative if you want to achieve uh if you want to like have this provide value for you but if you think about it everybody would benefit actually also of documenting it like if you approach contracts testing with gherkin syntax for example and i saw a few examples in our company that are using it it's actually pretty nice because they are getting literally the documentation itself about the apis that they create and they can actually communicate through through the documentation even provide the documentation to Tomorrow, when something needs to be changed, it can be used to see what is affecting immediately. So I think there are many benefits that we could send, uh, sell to the team itself and uh, basically try to implement it. But people are usually reluctant to change it. That's the, I think, main issue. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, it's difficult to change something, especially if that something has inertia behind it. So you really have to show people like, you know, this, this is how we can do this. Like, you know, let's start working on this. And if you go through the pack documentation, uh, they also have like a bunch of, you know, use cases when you should be using contract testing, when you shouldn't be using contract testing. So, I mean, contract testing is a great thing if you are just developing something. Like if it, it, it's not something you're going to like use on a legacy system, uh, which is something we actually had the idea of doing, but found out that, for example, the pact.net framework we're using doesn't even support uh, older technologies. So there's no like uh, no web APIs, like you cannot do any SOAP calls with it. You have to use like RESTful APIs and GraphQL if you want to uh, do these contract tests. So it's definitely got some drawbacks when it comes to uh, backwards compatibility, let's say. But if you are doing the refactoring of the legacy code, basically for that part of the system also, it's not worth it to implement it or you would you would go there? Uh, so if you are just going to refactor and move this to a new uh, framework, I would, because you are definitely going to run into some new bugs done created by the refactor. However, if we are talking about just like some stable API, even if it's like done with the latest technology, doesn't matter if it's stable, if it's not going to change, then contract testing really isn't worth it, in my opinion. If it's not something that's been there since, uh, you know, it was in active development and it's kind of it's kind of uh, too much to also add that in. 
thanks thanks Simir for explaining it. Let's talk about benefits actually to try also to explain to people why to use contract testing. Uh, can, can you tell me a bit more about benefits of using it? I know there are limitations with uh, PacNet, but I mean there are still many benefits of using it. Can you give to our audience explanation what those would be? Well, uh, it really really reduces the need for integration testing. I mean, in some cases you could say it completely removes it because it allows you to gain confidence in your deployments. I mean, if you have uh, if you have contract testing implemented, if you have the part of your CI CD pipeline, you can get uh, a literally a verification that the new code you're going to push is going to work with all of your consumers. So if you have a bunch of different services consuming your API, you can then know for sure that, hey, this is going to work. And uh, it really skips on having, uh, I mean, it really narrows, uh, removes uh, the need to do any additional testing in the environment you're deploying to, you know, you can run these tests uh, at the same time you run the unit tests because uh, I mean, uh, for the consumer part and for the provider part, uh, these can be written like during development. You don't have to have a finished product to use it. So it really, really helps you massively shift left when it comes to testing. And I mean, shifting left, as you know, is is our biggest QA buzzword. Yeah, actually, it's very important if we want to achieve tomorrow DevOps implementation and get feedback earlier. So basically, this helps us all because of the feedback that we are getting without even having ready product which is actually amazing but as you said like it can replace integration testing but also partially only or we can actually totally rely on contract testing and totally forget about integration testing because in that case this is not yet additional effort this is already let's say part of the effort of of any implementation today Uh, so integration testing uh, a lot of the time so contract testing the thing about contract testing to keep in mind is is it is not functional testing i mean you can do some functional validations but uh, the advice is not to do it it's just to like uh, check the format of the response and the request and that's it doesn't matter what are the side effects of it so for these situations we would still i think uh, need contract tests especially uh, need integration tests pardon me uh, because if we are running a complicated business scenario and trying to test uh, a part of it we still need integration testing in my mind but we can remove a lot of it definitely using contract tests that's great that's great Thank you, Imer. And let's go back a bit to Packnet. Uh, basically, you have experience, you already used it. So could you give us brief uh, explanation, like what was your challenge, like how to start with? Is there any like documentation that you read or it's already already there on Packnet website or you read some books, podcasts, like how even to start with Packnet? What would be your suggestion for the newcomers? Uh, so, there, so the Packed website has got really good documentation. First of all, explain how to do contract testing and another website is Pactflow, which is a it's a service which helps you like validate these contracts uh, and they also have very good animations explaining how Pact works so Pactnet is the C-sharp implementation of Pact. Uh, all, I think, different language implementations are done uh, by the same, you know, core Pact team. And uh, they have pretty good documentation. They also have this uh, workshop 
uh, you can find the link to it on their uh, website. It's just a one-hour GitHub workshop where you like create a very simple RESTful API, write the consumer tests, you know, have them fail, write the provider tests, etc. And you can really be up and running with this in like an hour. But that is, uh, but there are some issues. For example, uh, like these workshops, they're they're old code, you know. And I had this uh, problem where you know they pushed out a beta like packed 4.0, and the workshop was written in 3.0, and like nobody updated it. So I learned a lot just by debugging the code, actually. And uh, but honestly, one of the biggest challenges uh, for me was uh, just writing the tests because, as I mentioned, this is a very shift left approach and contract tests uh, you are supposed to be running them uh, together with unit tests now uh, i mean i have really got a lot of experience with testing uh, a restful api but i do not have that much experience with writing a restful api especially because uh, some of the apis that we are writing the contract tests for they're not using for example dotnet 6 they're using dotnet framework so the issue for me was that uh, myself as a qa had to like step into this position of a uh, backend uh, .NET developer uh, just to like write these contract tests as you have to like uh, spin up an instance of the API that you're running. And if it's uh, a bit of an older API, you will definitely run into issues with, uh, you know, legacy code. From what I heard, implementation of cross-functional teams, Scrum teams, with where we have dev and QA specialists, is also going to help with implementing of contract testing because you can directly work with your developer to define it and write it faster and even run it to verify it in, like your code together with your developer and everything else. So That's it's a bit harder if it's a separated QA team because like uh, there is there is usually lacking the collaboration if they are separated so this all goes also like i guess in the implementation of scrum cross functional teams definitely definitely and i mean act and contract testing in general, the best way to think of contract testing is uh, as a communication tool, actually. It's, you know, it helps different teams communicate as to like, you know, what's the issue in our contract. So communication really is a big part, I think, of this uh, testing methodology. So as you said, you know, having cross-functional teams talking to each other, it uh, really does uh, help in doing this. And uh, I also want to mention, uh, you asked me about like resources for this, uh, besides like, you know, the entire uh, official pack documentation, there are also a series of uh, six uh, blog posts by uh, Bas Jigstra on his website on test automation. And he really goes, uh, you know, deep down into contract testing and, you know, the pros, the cons. He also goes into this uh, so-called bi-directional contract testing testing, which is a new thing, not really an open source thing yet, where you can, uh, where both the consumer and the provider like write contracts and then just, you know, compare them. So uh, definitely a blog to follow in general, if you're into testing, and especially if you're into API testing. Thank you, Imer. I'm going to close this discussion now. Thank you for joining this, for sharing with us your knowledge and for taking time to create AP Podcast. And soon we are going to have a new topic and you can come and listen to AP Podcast to learn more things. Thank you thank once you. again and talk to you soon. Thank you, Adnan. And thank you for having me on. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.